Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. It was an exciting jam-packed start to 2020, the first weekend of the new year. You had Wild Card Weekend for anyone that's a big football fan. You also, of course, had the Golden Globes go on and kick off another gear kickoff into award season. We're going to get into all the surprises, the snubs, and what this means going forward for the rest of award season leading up to nomination morning in just a week from now. Next week at this time, we will know what the nominations are going in to the 92nd Annual Academy Awards and a whole bunch of other stuff we're going to get into. But of course, as I like to do every single Monday, regardless of what comes out, holdovers holdovers or not, it's time to go over the weekend box office. And once again, the holdover, the reigning box office champion, to no surprise, was the ninth film in the Skywalker saga, the third film of the sequel trilogy, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, grossed another $33.7 million, $918 million worldwide, $450 million domestically. It's st- it's fallen behind the pace of Star Wars The Last Jedi and incredibly behind the pace of The Force Awakens, indicating that it will be the lowest grossing film within the sequel trilogy and within really within the sequel trilogy itself and given that when you look at just the opening weekends for the force awakens that grows 249 million dollars 250 and the, the last jedi grows around 220 million dollars its opening weekend and now looking ahead to it the Rise of Skywalker is still going to gross over a billion dollars. It'll be the seventh film in for Disney in 2019 to do that. Disney is having a record year, $11.2 billion at the box office, $3.7 million domestically, $7.4 billion internationally. It's, it's a huge, incredible year for what Disney was able to accomplish. So even though The Rise of Skywalker has teetered off a little bit, and I think it's the best way possible for Disney to take a break within theatrical, go back to 2022, and from what we've been hearing, the rumors of what's going to happen next in the Star Wars universe, where the film division is at least going to go in the future, seems like it's going to be an exciting time. So to just go into television, have a few adventures within Disney+, Plus with The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, Cassie, and Endor, I think it's the best way for them to kind of have a fresh start and not have these characters that we've known, this this mythology, to hamper anybody going forward and that you can start clean, clean state, fresh, and go forward in the future. But still, regardless, even though it is farther from the first two films in the sequel trilogy, it's still a great success for The Rise of Skywalker to gross over a billion dollars and add to the legendary performance of Disney at financially at the box office in 2019. Coming in at number two is Jumanji, the next level, grossing $26.5 million this past weekend, $236.2 million domestically, and a worldwide gross total of $610 million. While it probably won't get to that level of over $900 million worldwide of what Welcome to the Jungle did, this is still a huge success for Jumanji the next level. The fact that it was really able to do what Welcome to the Jungle did in which the Rise of Skywalker was as divisive as The Last Jedi was, even though it was more vice versa with the critics and the and the fans, it still was able to take away fans or take away audience members from The Rise of Skywalker and put them into Jumanji, even though Jumanji came out a week before The Rise of Skywalker. So I think Sony is very happy for what the next level was able to do, even though it didn't 
it's not going to match up to those huge monstrous success of the Welcome to the Jungle. I think they were even surprised by that. So I think coming in at around $700 million, potentially eight hundred, is still phenomenal for the next level. And I wouldn't be surprised if sometime this year, probably in the next few months, we get an announcement of a sequel to the next level. And we'll see where it goes. I, I really liked the next level. I loved it as much as I did Welcome to the Jungle. It was a lot of fun. You brought new ideas and new twists to what you did in Welcome to the Jungle. And so I think the fact that they they close the door of what they could potentially do and they don't want to repeat what they've done in the last two films, but what they ended up doing and what the end of the film indicates, I think it would be very exciting for something new to come out of the Jumanji franchise. And I'm always excited for these new ideas that the creators, Jay Kasdan and all of them are doing over at Sony with this franchise. So I won't, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see a sequel announcement for Jumanji in the next few months. Coming in number three is another holdover for the last few weeks from Christmas time. Little Women grossing another $13.5 million, $60 million domestically, $80 million worldwide. It's definitely going to clear $100 million within the next week or two. And if it comes out January 13th, nomination morning for the Oscars, and Little Woman is a big winner, garnering a lot of nominations, I think this film has a chance of really doing a lot of damage at the box office, at least. And I think the notion that you get a bigger female demographic for the Oscars and you get a people really garnering people to, to go see this movie. And I think when you have that nomination morning come out and you're a part of the Oscar conversation, I think that people will go see this movie. It's going to clear over $100 million and be a big success for Sony going forward. And then coming in at number four is the newcomer to this week, the first newcomer of 2020, the new year, the new decade, and that is The Grudge. It grossed $11.3 million domestically, $17.1 million worldwide. The budget was $10 million, so Sony was able to clear out the budget for this one. It did, however, receive a score of an, an F cinema score, and it seems like audience and fans and critics alike were not impressed with this film. So I'm wondering to see the legs that this film has going forward, even though it was able to clear the budget. Is it going to be able to have a little bit of padding between then so that it is able to have some kind of success going forward just to label it a, a win column for Sony? So even though 2020 didn't break through the bubble as the grudge maybe was going to do, it's, it's still something that $11.3 million isn't anything to sneeze at, but it's nothing like $30, $40 million, which are, would have surprised a lot of people. But horror is always something that is garnered at the new year. Studios always put something suspenseful or scary within January, and I think it seems to play well as The Grudge was able to cl clear out $11.3 million. Then coming to number five is the other big Disney film of the holiday season, and that is Frozen 2, grossing $11.2 million at the box office this weekend, $449.8 million domestically, and now eclipsed $1.3 billion worldwide at the box office. And when you round it all out, it is now surpassed Frozen and Incredibles 2 to become the highest grossing animated film of all time. And for people that are literally taking the animated notion to effect, The Lion King isn't animated according to disney the oscars a lot of prognosticators ind industry insiders have said that the lion king that was directed by john favreau this year that grows 1.6 billion dollars at the box office the number two highest grossing film of 2019 is not considered animated it's considered hyper realistic computer cgi but not animated as we would think animated to be 
it's more virtual reality as as they put it to be so frozen still had that number but now the sequel to frozen that came out in 2013 has that number now and it's just it 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 just highlights and and encapsulates an incredible run that this film has had still at in the top five when it came out way over a month ago a little over a month now in theaters and it's still in the top five had 130 million dollars its opening weekend and then over the five-day thanksgiving day weekend garnered 123 million dollars and it hasn't died down since being a major player overseas as well a really really big and within the china district specifically japan china as well as Mexico and a lot of the other South American areas in in the world as well. So Frozen 2 is a major, major player, and it's probably going to be a major player throughout award season between being a Best Animated Feature nomination potentially and a Best Original Song player as well for Into the Unknown, which was sung by Idina Menzel. And then going in at number six is Spies in Disguise. Goes another $10 million at the box office, $46.7 million domestically, $88.8 million worldwide. And this is, I think, a, a little win for Disney, considering that this isn't Pixar. This isn't their own animation studio. This is Blue Sky Animation Studio, which they picked up with their purchase from 20th Century Fox. So Spies in Disguise, I think, was that animated film that even that people have seen Frozen 2 a lot, probably over the last month or so, that Spies in Disguise was a little bit more of a welcomed addition to something new that families can go take their kids out to see, especially during the, that two-week holiday break with Christmas and the New Year week happening as well. So I think Spies in Disguise is having a nice little run at the box office. Not, but nothing compared to what Knives Out is having at the box office. And coming in at number seven, goes another $9 million at the box office, $103 million domestically, and $247 million worldwide. It is right now one of the top three highest grossing original films of 2019, and it just keeps continuing to have great legs at the box office. People are responding to this film, both critically and financially. Fans love it as well. And getting into a little bit more down in the show there could be some sequel development down the road for knives out because of its popularity so knives out is having a wonderful one at the box office and coming in at number eight so is this film uncut gems grossing another seven million dollars at the box office 36.1 million dollars domestically and another and, and it still has grossed 36 million dollars worldwide within that domestic total being that it hasn't come out worldwide yet for people to see only domestically and this is a, a big win for a24 the fact that this is really a big event film from them the fact that they have these great directors with the safties they have star power with adam sandler in there as well and right now it is the third highest grossing film for a24 right now behind lady bird and hereditary lady bird being the highest grossing a24 film right now only at 46 million dollars so if unka gems especially again like lady bird if it has if it breaks out january 13th and has a big nomination morning for Adam Sandler, for the Safties, for the score, for the screenplay, and really garners a lot of nominations, then I think Uncut Gems can see a big boost in its box office run and could eclipse that number in the next few weeks and become the highest grossing film at A24, which is just an incredible company for a lot of great artists and movie makers over the last six years when it's formed in the late 2010s and then coming in at number nine another awards favorite bombshell gross another four million dollars at the box office 24.6 million dollars and the same thing goes for it being worldwide so another film that 
is kind of having a little bit more trouble with his legs. It was produced by Lionsgate. Jay Roach directed, stars Charlie Theron, Nicole Kim, and Margot Robbie, a big three dynamite-leading cast of ladies. And it just hasn't, I think, gone to that elevated status as something like an Uncut Gems or a Little Woman has. I think the maybe the... The subject material might be a little too sensitive for people to go to right now. Maybe they don't want something as dark or dreary as something like a bombshell. They they want something light, like a little woman for and that demographic of the females going out to the movie theaters for ladies' night. I think little women might appeal to more people in that sense than something like a bombshell would in in going to see a film like that. Then coming in at number 10, somehow, oh, it's still in the top 10, is Cats grossing only $2.6 million this weekend. Coming in for a very disappointing $24.6 million domestically, $57 million worldwide. And it seems like the end is in sight for Cats. Not the best way that Universal wanted to see this movie play out. Being that it wanted to play more like a la The Greatest Showman, La La Land, and being the musical for the holiday season to end out 2019 and go into 2020 with people thinking about it. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. That wasn't what people wanted to see, and the reviews had a hand in that. Just in the weirdness of this play and what was going on with it, that Cats wasn't able to get anything going at the box office this year and guys that's it for the box office recap what did you think about the box office let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts now it's time to go on to the bulk of the rest of the show which will be towards recapping the 77th annual golden globe awards a big night for television movies hollywood it's always the big kickoff to award season the official quote-unquote kickoff to award season in which every the nominations are over everyone goes on the red carpet they stylize with their dresses and their suits and their tuxes and everyone is is glued to the screen to see what to see their favorite stars go on the screen such as jennifer lopez was there jennifer aniston leonardo dicaprio brad pitt beyonce and jay-z even though they didn't walk the red carpet they were at the golden globes you have reese witherspoon there as well just an abundance of people there. Scarlett, uh, Scarlett Johansson was there as well. So there were abundance of people there that drew a lot of attention to people. But for people like me that like to see the red carpets, but it's more about the award season. It's more about the winners and what this means for Oscar season going forward. And there were a lot of surprises that I don't think a lot of people saw coming. And for me, I, I again, I, I always I look at things and see what is the hot thing going on right now. And I think for some of these films, they took a step back, and going forward, they took a step, uh, the, they, they took two steps forward. Some of the it's all about momentum and losing momentum for the Golden Globes. I've always said it, and a lot of people will say this as well: is the fact that the Golden Globes never are great indicators of what the Oscars will, what who will be going home with Oscar gold on february 9th it's going to be more about who's going to maintain momentum going forward when we have the bafta nominations come out the wga nominations came out today and i'll get into those after i talk about the globes what goes into nomination morning there's only a day or so left before the nomination close voting closes for the academy so the academy might be looking at the golden globes and saying oh this person won or, or these films won we have to check those ones out as well so there was a lot of that going forward, and some of the big winners for the night were Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had the most wins, going away with three wins, Best Picture, Musical Comedy, Best Supporting, and Best Screenplay. The Joker was a big winner as well, 1917. We're going to get into the individual awards right now, but 
I want to go through TV real quick. Congratulations to Chernobyl for winning a few awards. Limited series, actor supporting for Stellan Skarsgård. Patricia Arquette won for best supporting. You also had uh, Fleabag was a big winner. That was is really the tank for television this year that you don't really want to bet against. Phoebe Waller-Bridge won, that won best TV musical series or comedy. Succession won best drama along with Brian Cox for best drama actor. We had Rami Youssef was the first best actor in a musical comedy. was the first award given out tonight. I think it was a good indication of what the surprises that were about to come in this award season and for this night. And Rami Youssef for Rami uh, started off the night that way, which I don't think a lot of people had him winning on their ballots. You also had Michelle Williams win for Best Actress in a Limited Series TV or Movie. Russell Crowe won Best Limited Actress Series TV or Movie. He won for The Loudest Voice playing Roger Ailes, which I was very happy to see. If you haven't seen The Loudest Voice, go watch it. It gives more of the Roger Ailes perspective of everything that happened to him with the, how he built Fox and his eventual downfall and the accusations that convicted him of being uh, pushed out of Fox News. Russell Crowe is phenomenal in that role. Olivia Coleman won for Best Drama Actress for The Crown after her success last award season with the favorite in the movies. So a lot of great winners on the TV side, but it really is all about the movies and this award season, it's all about what goes down on Oscar night, what happens Oscar night. And so now we're going to get into the the crux of the of the night, which had to do with the movie. So to start out with best original song music, I'm going to love me again from Rockman was the winner beating out into the unknown, beautiful ghost, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Elton John was able to beat out all the big major superstars and win that award. I was so happy to see him on stage and accept that award and share it with his 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 writer and 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 just to be able to share that i was very happy to see him win that going into best musical uh best original score joker won that award for for that i picked 1917 i haven't seen it yet but from what i heard the score is incredible so i just decided to go with that one and not bet against it but i should have gone with my gut on this one and and went with joker because i love the score for joker it becomes its own character within the the movie it goes along with it and it, it progresses along with the, the development of Arthur Fleck or the downfall of Arthur Fleck. So I really enjoyed what they did with with that score and that was the first award that Joker won that night. And I think going forward for Joker, the I, I was I I always thought I, I had Joaquin Phoenix winning the award for best actor, but I was thinking is there a chance that a lot of people had it that maybe Joker pulls off the upset to win best picture drama. And maybe Todd Phillips wins Best Director, even though that was a little bit more unlikely. But I think the fact that maybe there definitely is a love within the Hollywood Foreign Press for Joker, and it started out with Best Original Score. Then going into Best Supporting Actress in Anything with Kathy Bates, Annette Bening, Laura Dern, Jennifer Lopez, Margot Robbie. Laura Dern ended up winning this award, I think, to a lot of people picking against her, on especially specifically for this show because I think the Hollywood Film Press loves stars. They love getting people on stage and, and audience members seeing different people on there. And I think a lot of people betted Jennifer Lopez to potentially win this award and maybe put a little bit of a race between Laura Dern and Jennifer Lopez. Like I think a lot of people, including myself, thought there would. It's really between her and Dern for the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. But again, seeing the momentum going forward, Laura Dern won this award. And I think this starts to lock her down for winning the Oscar. Because I think if there was any hump for Laura Dern to get over, it was Golden Globe, and Jennifer Lopez could have put a little bit of a race in there. 
but I think that race is starting to lose a lot of steam, and I think Jennifer Lopez will be nominated, but I don't see her winning the SAG, and I think Laura Dern's winning the SAG, and usually for me, when it comes to the SAGs, those are who I bet for when it comes to winning the Oscar. So Jennifer Lopez did not win that award, and Laura Dern won. I loved, I liked her speech. It really was about the power for women and lawyers and, and not dealing with divorce and loving one another, so I really liked the speech that she gave. She's Hollywood royalty. She was Miss Golden Globe when she was 15 years old, so she's been around Hollywood a lot to play the game, and I think she's well on her way to winning her first Oscar. Then coming in at Best Supporting Actor, the winner for this one was by unanimous choice, I think, Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He had a great speech, and I think this locks him down for winning the Oscar for Best Actor. It, it gives him a lot of momentum going forward and puts him well beyond the reaches of Pacino, Pesci, Hopkins, and Tom Hanks. So I think you can lock down Brad Pitt for going away with the Oscar this year. Coming in a Best Animated Feature now, this was another one of the big surprises going forward. This was, I think, people either had Toy Story 4 or Frozen 2 winning. Basically, one of the Disney films are winning this award. And despite that, Leica won this award, and the Hollywood Forward Press decided to go with Leica against DreamWorks and Disney, going with Missing Link winning Best Animated Feature. That I think that was on a lot of people's ballots of missing that one and was a big surprise. And I think this year for Animated Feature, there's... I, I still have Toy Story 4 winning that award and being the favorite, but you could maybe look at Missing Link or Toy Story 4 or Frozen 2, even How to Train Your Dragon, or I Left My Body, which is done by Netflix. Claws as well. There's I think there's a lot of potential in these an animated feature to be a big competitor this year, unlike really years and years before where there's always the unanimous pick of be a Pixar film or a Disney animated film or something comes up and just is a tour de force like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse was last year. So this year I think is a big competition animated feature and not the shoehorn lock that it usually is at, at this point during award season. Then another one that was a, a lock and one I think is the one that you can write away for as well in every single ballot is Best Foreign Language Film went to Parasite. Bong Joon-ho uh, won for this one. He went up on stage, and he, he was having fun with it. And I love that line of, once you look over the subtitle wall, you're able to see incredible films that you haven't seen before. And I love that line. And it is very true that you know people don't really look at foreign language films a whole lot because you have to look down at the subtitles instead of looking up at the incredible work. And I did that for Parasite. I was looking down at the words, but it was still in in, in the imagery and the visuals were incredible. The story was incredible. And so that, to me, is a no-brainer for winning every single award in its path when it comes to foreign language film for Parasite. And I thought after foreign language film, I had Bong Joon-ho winning for, for for Best Director. And I thought this was – I said in, on my Twitter account, at Basel Samuel, you can check me out there, that this could be the start of seeing Bong on stage a little bit more and would start the run for Parasite like I thought would happen for Joker as well. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But going through the rest of the acting categories, let's go through them. Best Musical, Actress, Comedy, or Musical. Aquafina won this award. I think there was no surprise there. And I think for Aquafina, this gives her momentum now to at least get a nomination going forward. And I think when you look at a lot of these acting categories – and especially for musical or comedy, some of these people are major awards contenders. 
that will be locked in or are fighting for a spot when it comes to the best actor-actress races for the Oscars. And someone like an Aquafina is looking at getting one of those spots right now. And I think the fact that the, the speech that she gave and the fact that she won, I think, really propels her forward of gaining a lot of momentum of locking in at least one of those last few spots for best actress at the Oscars. And then another one that I think is another lock-in right now and has gained a lot of momentum is... Taron Egerton winning for Best Actor, Musical, or Comedy, beating out Leonardo, Eddie Murphy, who is a lot of people's favorites to win this award. I picked Taron Egerton to win this. I loved what he did as Alan John. And if you were to award Rami Malek, despite what people may think of Bohemian Rhapsody, I think if you award Rami, you have to award what Taron Egerton did as Alan John because I just think it would just be – it wouldn't be right if you if you awarded Rami Malek for what he did, but you didn't award Taron for just as good, if not better – work for what he did as Elton John in Rocketman. So I was very happy to see him win this award. And between getting the nomination, winning the Globe, getting a SAG Award nomination, I think he has propelled himself into getting into that four or five slot for Best Actor. I still think the lock-ins right now are Joaquin Phoenix, Adam Driver, and Leonardo DiCaprio are still the three locks that will get in that you you don't have to worry about any kind of upsets happening nomination morning. But I think right now... Taron Egerton has played his way into at least getting into that four or five slot for best actor. And I think we'll be seeing, hearing his name and seeing his face as Ellen John on nomination morning for the Oscar. So congratulations to him for winning that award. And now going on to best actress in a drama, Renee Zellweger won this award. And even though I thought her acceptance speech was a little bit wonky, I still think she's the favorite to win the Oscar. And this just gives her more momentum going forward. I think Charlize might have the best shot to dethrone her, but I just think what Renee did in Judy was insurmountable and gives her more credence going forward. Moving on to Best Actor in a Drama, the one that people are saying is a, is a big race right now between Adam Driver and Phoenix. Joaquin won this round, winning the Golden Globe for Best Actor for playing Arthur Fleck in Joker, beating out Adam Driver. I think this gives him momentum going into the SAG Awards, going into the Critics' Choice Awards as well. I think this gives him credence, and I loved his acceptance speech. He's just such a kooky guy in real life, and he 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 means well, and, and sometimes he doesn't know what to say, but at the same time, he says the right things as well. It was really, it's, it's, it's incredible, and when he goes back to the press line, and you see him talk to the press, he's when people ask him about the 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 actual movie, and he's like, "We we talked about this already. It was six months ago. Well, you know, I already talked about this already. You, you all ask me these questions, but then he 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 gives another answer, and, and and even though he's he's a little, he talks back to the press. He still gives funny answers and talks with them. And he was asking if they had food or drinks or anything. He was talking about the 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 Hollywood Foreign Press, the menu, because they get dinners at the and they drink at the at the Golden Globes, which is why it's always called the biggest party in Hollywood. And that they served vegan food there, and Leo was happy about that, and so was Joaquin, and so he talked about that with them for a little bit. So he's he's just such a kooky guy, and and I love him for that. He's one of the best actors in the game today. He's probably one of the greatest actors of all time. I think when all is said and done, so he's just phenomenal, and I think he is right now the favorite to win this award. And if he wins the SAG again, if he wins the SAG, he's my lock to win Best Actor at the Oscars. But this is just great momentum going forward for Joaquin with Adam Driver starting to. To slip away just a little bit, but he he's still on the heels right now of Joaquin. I still give him a heel, but I propel Joaquin forward just by a li- by a leg or so going forward this award season. Now getting into into the top prizes 
for last night and going to best screenplay. Now, to me, this was... When it was announced that he won, I was not shocked because they absolutely love Quentin Tarantino. And he won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And they've, he's won three times for Best Screenplay at the Golden Globes. And once he won Best Screenplay, I knew that they weren't going to give him Best Director because usually it's you want to spread the wealth around a little bit. And I don't think they would have given Once Upon a Time in Hollywood all that accolade. They, they gave Quentin Tarantino wrote and directed the film, and I think them... That was them saying thank you and congratulations and giving props to Mr. Tarantino. And even though I had Noah Baumbach winning this because I think him not being in the directing category and I think if they wanted to honor Marriage Story for not giving it Best Picture, I think that would have been the way to give it because the screenplay is fantastic for Marriage Story. It really is the strongest point of the, the movie and, and what makes the movie so great is the script itself, the dialogue in there, the action that the actors give. They elevate that script, and that script is great onto it itself. And I think I was thinking they would have awarded Bombach for that. And I think going forward, they couldn't – that if Noah Bombach doesn't get nominated for Best Director for the Oscars or if it doesn't win Best Picture for Marriage Story doesn't do well at the Oscars, I think the one thing that it wins big could be for – for screenplay, which would be up for original screenplay at the Oscars. But it didn't go. It went to Quentin Tarantino, and to me, that's no shock whatsoever. But I think going forward, this helps elevate Once Upon a Time's status as a big major frontrunner for Best Picture and going forward as a big major contender at award season because it won Best Picture Musical or Comedy. And last year's Best Picture winner was Green Book, which went on eventually to win the Best Picture at the Oscars. And this was, to me, a no-brainer in terms of picking it to win the Best Musical or Comedy. It was clearly the best film out of, I think, all these other films that came out during the year. So I think it was a fun, lighthearted Quentin Tarantino movie, even though it had violence and it was it was he- not heavy, but... It was a Quentin Tarantino movie, but at the same time, it was a fun, fun ride. That I would always go back and just have a great time with it, or as they say, groovy time in in the '60s. But I think for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, this makes it a huge contender. It it was the biggest winner out of everybody tonight. It has the most wins: three for Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy, for Best Screenplay, and for Best Supporting Actor. So I think going forward, being the best nominated film of the night or being the biggest winner of the night gives you momentum going forward for what people are thinking about this film. And now to get to the two biggest surprises of the night, which I don't think a lot of, some people saw coming, which I have to give a shout out to the managing editor over at Fandango, Eric Davis. He's a great guy. I love him. He does fantastic work. And he had, he put Joker on his gold derby, not uh, on his gold derby sheet, on, uh, on his gold derby page. He picked Joker to win, and he had just had this gut feeling. He said, go check him out on Twitter. He, he does a phenomenal job for Fandango. He gives me great insight. He's great. Go check him out. He's amazing, at Eric Davis over at Fandango on Twitter. And he's somebody that I follow for award season, and he great, gives great insight into that. And he, he had Joker winning, but he said on a little segment that the Today Show had him on, it was just a very brief clip. He said, Watch out for 1917 to pull off the win. And even I was like, 1917? I mean, I, I haven't seen it yet. I've heard great things about it. I'm going to see it this weekend. I cannot wait to see it. I, I was hoping that the theaters would have it in limited release around me, but they don't, unfortunately. And I'm not going into the city to go see it, so I'm waiting for it to come around here. But I've heard great things. I can't wait to see it. And I, I had Bong Joon-ho winning for Parasite. 
And if not, people are saying, oh, maybe Quentin Tarantino could win this one. Maybe Todd Phillips could pull off the upset and Joker could sweep its categories with the potential not win for, for best picture. But it seemed like the Hollywood Foreign Press went in an entirely different direction. And I thought they went for Bomb because to have a best international film, to have an international director win this award for a great direction that he did would be great. But... It seems like they wanted to go for 1917, and Best Director went to Sam Mendes for 1917. I think another shocker for the night, and it propels his name going forward and gives him momentum and the film momentum. And and once he won for Best Director, even though I had Irishman winning Best Picture, I, I, I prepared myself for 1917 winning for Best Picture Drama because I was texting my friend. And I said, I would not be surprised if 1917 was the last name called out tonight for Best Picture Drama. And lo and behold, that's what happened for Best for, for Drama. And 1917 won that award. And people were like, well, wait, wait, wait. What happened? And I do think it is a shock going forward. But at the same time, hearing about this film and the achievements that it pulls off for as a war film, as a technical film achievement, with Deacon's cinematography, so the one take and the direction that is is needed for that to can make it seem as seamless as possible makes a lot of sense. And I think if you are universal, you could have not asked for a better marketing tool for a film that is in limited release right now, has a lot of critical rave, gets a big win for best director and best picture that nobody really saw coming until the writing was really on the wall. And you have Sam Mendes really kind of promoting the film for his acceptance speech, and it comes out in wide release this weekend. If you're a Universal, the stars have fallen in line for you in so many great ways because it's done very well at the limited box office. It grossed $2.8 million this overall within within the last two weekends in its limited run. And you, this film is probably going to gain a lot of people. People love war movies. They love going to see war movies even though they're probably very hard-hitting, just something about it attracts people to go see pieces of history like that. And World War One has been done for a long, long time, as far as I know. It's always been Vietnam, the Iraq War, the current wars that we're in right now, or World War Two. Those are really the, the top three that I've really seen throughout my life. And I think for the for World War One, it's a different take. It's, it, it's a different war that I haven't seen on screen before. And I think going forward, this this is a big win for Universal, and I think this spells potential doom overall. Again, looking what the Golden Globes does is it gives landscape to what potentially could go could go forward. And this is always when award season becomes the most unpredictable and starts having people second guess what could come forward in the next few weeks, and especially with award season being so short this year. I think there's going to be a lot of people kind of looking to see what the puzzle pieces are going forward and netflix came out with it came in with 11 or 17 nominations between its film and tv division and it came out at least in the and in, in the television not in the television in the film department it came in marriage story was the the most nominated film of the entire of all the films and irishman came in with five nominations irishman came out of last night with zero wins and the only one for Netflix came in Best Supporting Actress when Laura Dern won for Marriage Story. That does not spell well for the momentum that Netflix had going forward before last night in which 
Irishman was coming out, and Irishman was a perennial frontrunner to at least get a whole bunch of nominations, and that still might most likely will happen, where I'll get a lot, lot of nominations in the in the acting categories, directing, best picture, and a lot of the below the line content as well for production design, cinematography, all 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 that, all those categories will most likely get nominated with Irishman in in there somewhere. But I think for a perennial overall favorite, I think Netflix is has to start getting a little worried now. I think Marriage Story and Irishman are now going to be on the outside looking in. I still have Marriage Story as my number three in maybe winning Best Picture, at least getting a nomination, or, or really winning Best Picture. But I think after last night, you have to look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, a 1917 now, and Parasite I, I still have in there as well. Because even though I do think that it'll be tough for Parasite because it is a foreign language film and they have a category for that now, or Best International Film as the Oscars pointed out to be now, I think it's a little tough for that going forward to win best best picture. But it, it's it's I think Netflix should start getting a little worried now. I think if they if the PGA and DGA come out this week and they're on there, I think they can be fine. But if they don't start winning those awards, they have to get a little nervous going forward because last night was not a good night for them. Yeah, they got the best supporting actress win, but they didn't get the best picture win. They didn't get the screenplay win. They didn't even get the directing win for Scorsese. That went to Universal, a studio, a, a major studio that had a major film come out that could do major money at the box office now because Universal got free marketing last night with the wins, two major wins that nobody saw coming. And I think this is going to be a huge, a, a underrated player that nobody, that people were saying, look out for this film that is going to have the underdog status and come out on top and could be a, a, a big front runner going forward. So I think this this is a very telling answer for award season going forward. The next big ones are the WGA come, came out this week, and I think we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. And just to, just to give a little preference, actually, the best the last Best Picture winner for, for a war film was The Hurt Locker in 2009, the Catherine Bigelow film, which Catherine Bigelow won Best Director. The English Patient, which that director won Best Picture as well. Braveheart, in which that came out in the late mid to late 90s, directed by Mel Gibson, won Best Picture. Mel Gibson won Best Director. Schindler's List won, was, was another one that won in, 1990, in 1994 for Best Picture. 1993, excuse me, 1993. And the picture one in Steven Spielberg won for Best Director. So with war films, they usually go hand-in-hand. Hand. At least that's what history has shown us when it comes to the winners. Yeah, a lot of war films have come out over the last few years. Dunkirk a few years ago, Christopher Nolan, that wasn't a major player. But something just came to, to people, at least for, to the Hollywood Foreign Press, and it made them give 1917 the win. And two major wins that – when you talk about shocking wins, if – there was a if, – if if you give 1917 the best picture win, that's a shocking win. But to give them both Mendez and 1917 the actual film best picture and best director, and those are the only things that it wins, and that, those are the only things that it was really nominated for. Those are the only things that it was nominated for, and it won both. Except, except Excuse me. It, it won two of them. It, it was nominated for a musical original score, but Joker won that award. So it won two out of the three awards that it was nominated for. And the one that a lot of people thought it was going to win, with Thomas Newman winning for 1917, it didn't win that one. It won the two awards that nobody thought it was going to win, and it was the highest films. It was the highest awards that it, they could get. 
So I think going forward, 1917 has to be on a lot of more people's minds than originally thought of. I think the Critics' Choice Awards are going to be big. The SAGs, not, not really the SAGs, the PGA and the DGA are going to be the two indicators. If they come out and are strong in those two categories, then I think 1917 has to be considered a major frontrunner to win Best Picture and a lot of major awards at the Oscars. So going forward, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's, it's going to be a very interesting award season. This is why I love covering award season. It's such a crazy ride. This is why a lot of people cover award season because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what, what people are going to think about this award season. You don't know what people are going to want to see this award season. And it's just a wild roller coaster. And we're just in the thick of it right now. We're really just getting started. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. And I love every second of it. And I cannot wait to talk about the WGAs in a second, to talk about the PGAs, DGAs this week, and then next week, uh, this time next week, to talk about the Critics' Choice Awards as well. So a lot of fun things happening with award season going forward. And I just want to say as well, the Golden Globes drew in a, a potential eight-year low with $14.7 million. And I thought the telecast was okay. I thought Ricky Gervais was a fun – he's Ricky Gervais. And, and, and I liked some of the the jokes that he had. Were they provocative? Yes. But he's just Ricky Gervais. And I think he broke the mold of – just uh, not even breaking the mold, but breaking the ice is the better term to use – that you know, he, he just makes people laugh and I think feel at ease and just have a good time. And, that, and that's really what it is in the room. And I think he projects it to a lot of the audience members as well. So, again, the Golden Globes, they just give a good indication of what's going to happen momentum-wise going forward. And some films, Irishman, really lost some momentum going forward. I think the same with Marriage Story, even though Laura Dern has major, major momentum going forward to win Best Supporting Actress now. But I think something like 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood keeps its momentum growing even stronger now. And I think 1917 gains a lot of steam now going forward with a lot of these awards coming out. So that's it for the Golden Globes coverage, guys. What do you think of all the awards that came out on the movie side, even on the TV side, if you have anything to talk about? What did you think? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts on everything. Were you happy that... 1917 won. Were you shocked? Did you want to see something like Joker win? Were you happy with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Did you want to see Knives Out, Jojo Rabbit win, Rocket Man, Dolomite? Let me know now below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to move on to another big awards story that came out just a little while ago, and that is the Writers Guild Award nominations are now out, in which basically the the branch that talk that deals with a lot of the writers come out with their awards for what they thought were the best screenplays of the year. And so the nominations have now come out. They're divided between original and best adapted screenplay. And the nominees for best original screenplay at the WGA are 1917, Booksmart, Knives Out, Marriage Story, and Parasite. The nominations for best adapted screenplay are A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Little Women. And to go to original real quick again, 1917 on the heels of its big victory at the Golden Globes, it comes in with the nomination for Best Original Screenplay. I like seeing Booksmart in there. Ryan Johnson getting an award I think is 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 incredible and to see him getting the accolades is great. Marriage Story Parasite, those weren't as many surprises. I think Adapted has a few surprises that, or surprises that should be 
excuse me, no-brainers. The first one is being Little Women. I think that is a shoehorn to get in for Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars. I think it should get a nomination. Greta Gerwig did an incredible job with that screenplay and, and doing something different with an adaptation that has been done so many times before. And same thing with A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I think that the fact that we haven't really heard a lot of Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood this, other than Tom Hanks playing Fred Rogers, which going back to the Golden Globes topic real quick, that to me was my favorite speech of the night, Tom Hanks' speech. That it was, he is such a national treasure. And when they went through his films, it just shows how many great films he's been a part of and how many films he's made great and how great of an actor he really is. And his speech was incredible, emotional, historic, and and and, and lesson-worthy. And I, I loved every second of it. So I'm happy for Tom Hanks to get the Cecil B. DeMille Award. Same thing with Ellen DeGeneres. I was happy for her as well. But to go back on to the, the WGA nominations, we haven't really heard anything other than Tom Hanks for Best Supporting Actor for A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. So the fact that it gets a screenplay nomination at the WGA gives a little bit of a boost for its Oscar potential. But the thing to think about here is a lot of these screenplays, a, most, a, a good amount of them are probably going to get in for a nomination for the Oscar. Marriage Story, Parasite, Irishman, JoJo, Little Women I think should be in there as well. Joker I think is a little bit of a surprise, and I think that would be a big boost on nomination morning for the film if it were to get a, a screenplay nomination as well. So I think for... Some of these films is a big surprise, but when you look at last year's winners, you had 8th Grade and the Best Adapted went to Can You Ever Forgive Me. The winners for last year's Oscars were Black Klansman for Adapted Screenplay, which Spike Lee won, and Green Book, which went on to win Best Original Screenplay and went on to win Best Picture at last year's Oscars. So I think there's going to be some changes here when it comes to what's going to win and what will win at the Oscars. But I think for nominations as well, there could be a few changes in there and it could help or hurt momentum going forward for a lot of these movies. But again, when you have something like a 1917, big win yesterday, big win today for them and a potentially big win for them going forth for the next few weeks when it comes to the DGA, PGA, Critics' Choice Awards as well. So Universal could be having a, a nice feast with 1917 giving a bulk of the awards attention to that film. Booksmart, I really like seeing on here as well. I thought that was a great film. To see that get a lot of love at the WGA. I don't know if it will necessarily get into the, the Oscars. Because I think you still have the likes of A Parasite. And Once Upon a Time in Hollywood wasn't on here. And that's because of some in ineligibility that it has. Of not being a part of a collective bargaining agreement. And, and not uh, evoking some kind of rule. So it wasn't able to be on here. But if it was, I'd be I, I wouldn't be surprised if that would have been the, the one to, to be on here. So you still got to put Once Upon a Time on there. Knives Out could be a little bit of a tricky one as well. But I think people love that screenplay so much that that could get a nomination as well on Monday. So I like the, the the films that are on here to get screenplay nominations, but we'll see what happens come come next Monday. So and to see the winners from last year, I think it's gonna be very interesting to see what goes forward for the Oscars. But again, a lot happening this award season and we're just getting started here on the San Basel podcast. What did you guys think of these nominations? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to some to last minute movie news that happened over the course of today that wasn't award season worthy, and that is talking about Knives Out. There is Ryan Johnson spoke out a few days ago, and it was confirmed last night before the Golden Globes happened, in which his film Knives Out was nominated for a bunch of 
awards such as Best Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Best Actor and Actress for Craig and Ana de Armas. And it's been a huge hit financially, as I talked about at during the box office segment, that it hasn't been officially announced, but Ryan Johnson has said that he is working on a new film that, that's going to be a sequel with the Detective LeBlanc from the Daniel Craig's character, in which it's going to be like a, a, a Detective Clouseau, like a Murder on the Orient Express kind of character, in which we're going to follow him on these new cases. And I love that. I think I love Daniel Craig's character in Knives Out. He was one of the best parts of the entire movie. He has that witty sense of humor and witty sense of, 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 of detectiveness that I think I would love in that kind of character. And Ryan Johnson is coming back to write and direct it. Sign me on. As long as you have the main architect wanting to do more, and it's not Lionsgate asking him to do more, he wants to keep, keep doing this. It sounds like Daniel Craig wants to be a part of this as well from what was reported. Then I am all in for it. Give me a new case. Give me a new adventure in which he's trying to solve this murder and make it as witty as you made Knives Out and with these new characters. I love it. Have underlying messages as you gave Knives Out with great plot twists. I'm all for this becoming a franchise of originality. You take what you take the murder mystery genre, and you turn it on its head, and you incorporate elements of Clue and Murder on the Orient Express, but they're not straight-up adaptations or retellings of those stories. You add new things to it that make it fun and exciting and interesting. And I think if Ryan Johnson keeps doing that, he's got he's got his franchise on hand that if he doesn't want to come back to Star Wars, if maybe things don't work out with his new trilogy of Star Wars and he decides to do this, I would be, I would honestly, I love what he did with Last Jedi, even though I have a few issues with that film, and I would be excited to see what he does with his own playground of Star Wars, I love what he did with Knives Out so much. I would rather see him do more of that stuff than go back to Star Wars and, and do that. I, I love the originality that he brings to this. It's exciting, it's new, and it's fresh, and I love fresh new franchises like what he brought to Knives Out, and I would love that to become a, a franchise in its own, and I'm sure Lionsgate would as well, to go along with their John Wick franchise. What do you guys think about Knives Out 2 or the with a, a sequel regarding Daniel Craig's character coming into play? Let me know anything down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now moving on to the final story of today, a big one that came out this morning that wasn't Golden Globe news, and that is finally, 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 we get a brand new new mutants trailer. We haven't gotten a trailer for this movie since oh gosh. 2017, 2018, I had a friend of mine when I was on the screening room, WRHU's screening room, she was a producer, Olivia Klawan. She was one of my hosts when I first came on to host the screening room in 2018. During that summer, she was, during the summer in 2017, she was on a, she was on the set of New Mutants and she was talking, she couldn't really talk about it, but it was supposed to come out in 2018. And that the, there was a trailer out for it. There was a lot of excitement building around it. And we were going to interview her for it. But then there were delays happening. There was, there were there, there were a lot of things happening. Was this film ever going to come out? Would it go on Hulu? Was Disney going to scrap it after they bought 20th Century Fox? Would it be inclu included in the, the, the MCU? What was going to happen with this film? There apparently needed to be 50% reshoots done on it. They needed to scrap the movie and start over. How are they going to bring back these actors that... We're a lot older than when they first did the film in 2016 when they filmed the, when they filmed it. They're a lot older now. What was going to happen? And it just seemed like Disney wanted and, and 20th Century just wanted to put this film out there and, and hope for the best. And it seems like that's the approach they're going to be doing with it. But it seems like it's done. It's ready. 
It's directed by Josh Boone, written by him as well. It's got this horror suspense thriller feel to it that's very gritty. What really 20th Century wanted to do with their X-Men franchise with Deadpool and Logan and what they wanted to do with this as well. It had the potential to be a franchise, but it doesn't seem like that. It's got a great cast with Anya Taylor-Joy, Maisie Williams, Charlie Heaton from Stranger Things, Henry Zaga. It's got an incredible cast and, and, and great production value to it as well. And from the first trailer, there seemed to be no problems with it. So, well, like, what, what is the problem with this movie? And then we got an announcement that there was going to be a new trailer for it. And so it came out today. And I have to tell you, listen, with the reports and everything that came out, I was expecting something to be like, all right, like, let's just get this and get it over with. I'm optimistic about this film. I enjoyed the trailer. The, the trailer was, was good to me. I, I'm looking at this. I'm like, what was the problem with this movie? It seemed like maybe they added a new character to it that introduces us to this asylum and, 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 and into this this experimentation that's going on, and it seemed it, it's got that horror sense to it. And I'm like, what was so wrong with this movie that it's been delayed for so long that you couldn't have it come out in 2018, 2019? Uh, maybe the movie, maybe the, the, the maybe the marketing is so good that they're they're able to take out the best parts and put it into the into the into a trailer and. The rest of the movie is going to be garbage, but I got to say, I, I'm interested in this movie. I'm excited about it, and it, if this is the final time that we get the the X-Men universe before the before Kevin Feige takes it over, then, I mean, I'm, I'm down for a little adventure with these new mutants, and and I hope I, I hope it, that they're able to focus on it just being a one-off so we don't get this expanded universe that we can get into and we don't get any more of these movies because I think that would be a bummer, especially if it's good. And, and I think the fact that when it came up with 20th Century Fox and then it came up with not just the Marvel logo, it wasn't Marvel Studios, it was just Marvel. So I think it, it, this is going to be the last thing we see of 20th Century's X-Men universe before Kevin Feige and the MCU take over. But I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say it was awful. It, it was good. It was good, and, and, and I'm interested in seeing this movie when it comes out in April on April 3rd. I think this could be a law in no time to die, the two big films that come out in April before the summer movie season. So... April might have its superhero movie that nobody saw coming and people have heard bad things about, but I'd be damned to say the trailer wasn't good. It was a good trailer. It got me hooked. It got me interested in these characters to see what they're about, what their powers are about, how scary is this movie going to be, and I'm down for it. I'm excited to see what Josh Boone has done with this film and, and, and really to see, was this, did there really need to be as many reshoots as people have said, and we'll see what happens going forward, but uh, I'll be damned to say if, if I'm not excited for this movie now. Guys, what did you think of this trailer? Did it get you excited for this movie? Did it did it confirm everything you thought it would be? Did it not? Did it surprise you about what it could be? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. That's going to do it for this edition of the Sam Bissell Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and so much more. Also, make sure to tune in onto the Amigos Network, and be sure to check out the other amazing shows that they have on there, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis, and also check out Goal Driven Professionals, Geared Toward Improving Client Relations, Return on Investment, and Customer Acquisition Costs for Independent Businesses and Services. You can check them out on their website, ambiguousproduction.com, also on Facebook and Twitter, at Real Ambiguous. And if you want to check out Canopy Treehouse, use the coupon code AMBIGUOUS. Also, make sure to follow me on social media on Twitter, at Bissell Samuel, that's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L, and on Facebook, at Sam Bissell. Guys, thank you again so much for tuning in, and until next time, keep on screening.